everyone. Welcome back to the Hamptons to Hollywood podcast. We are officially back for season three. Sure, season two was a little short. Sorry about that. You know, COVID. But we are on a new chapter to bring you enlightening and entertaining conversations with subject experts, entertainers, foodies, fashionistas, and a ton of other people. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Langan, the founder of HamptonsToHollywood.com, which covers the best in casual luxury from coast to coast. Today's guest is none other than my brother, Sean Langan. In season one of the podcast, you may remember that I interviewed my parents, but getting to chat with my brother was a really special conversation. Sean is working on his PhD in exercise physiology. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a certified athletic trainer. We chatted about fitness, overall health, and how to tackle fitness goals to increase longevity. We also made a huge announcement, a first for Hamptons to Hollywood, which you'll hear toward the end of the episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. And happy 2022. <laughs> okay, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I we we actually filmed, recorded a podcast last year at this time. A year in the making, so I think we're really going to deliver this time. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. You can lean in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, so I really wanted to talk to you for a number of reasons. First of all, I've interviewed mom and dad, and you are the, the missing link, if you will. And there's where, you know, fun about life and whatever, but yours is a bit more targeted, which I think is going to be really interesting for our audiences to hear. Eloquent. I, I, I try. Because you really just are someone who, you're a straight shooter, you don't sugarcoat anything, you're very transparent, and I think it's a really great quality because you, you everyone always knows where they stand with you, <laughs> for better or worse. Yeah. And so, we're eight years apart. What was it like having me as an older brother? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it was good. You were a interesting cat. But no, it was fun, man. Like, we had fun when we were kids. You're very fun to be around. You're very bubbly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what are you uh, looking for? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but I think it's so funny because you and I are very different. Oh, yeah. You're, I'm much more of an idealist. You're much more of a realist. Okay. Don't you agree? Yeah, I would say so. I think it's so funny because we get along really well, but we're also, like, very, very vastly different. Yeah, it's quite the dynamic. It is. <laughs> it really is. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, like a funny story of like me when I was like, what was like your like a funny like memory you have of like me like growing up? There's uh, a bunch. I mean, like the first thing that comes to mind is just like the the doomy light. Tell <laughs> <laughs> that story. So we're sitting in the car at Six Flags, me, you, and Dad. And, like, it's not it's not going to sound funny. No, but it's just... But in my Dad's car, he had this light on, like, the the roof. And it was a dome light, is what they called it, you know, back then, I guess. So just light, it said dome on it. And Kyle's sitting back there, we're all eating some sandwiches, you know, having a little lunch. And, um... Kyle just looks up at the light for some reason. He goes, do me. (laughs) 
So you don't get it in a dome light. <laughs> I guess then it looked like Doomy. But that's just the... Because um, we see the world different, different ways. The essence of his oblivion that he has <laughs> to the outside world sometimes. <gasps> oh, that's classic. Well, you, I just like, I love seeing you like grow up because I, like I said, I was eight when you were born. You were like this little firecracker as a kid. Let's look this big curly blonde hair. Blonde? Yeah, you had blonde hair. My hair was never blonde. <laughs> yes, it was. Wow, no, it was not. Dirty, brown. It was dirty never blonde. blonde. Yeah. Do you have, look at a baby picture of me? We have pictures everywhere. Not that any in this room. Look, there's, yes, blonde hair. I was never blonde. Yes, you were. Are you fucking stupid? <laughs> I promise you, you were blonde. I remember. Do you have show notes on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Well, We'll, we'll drop a few in the show notes. Yeah, we'll let the the fans decide whether <laughs> fine. I'm blonde or brown. Fine, this will be fine. This will be. I have very thick brown hair, <laughs> thick curly brown hair. I think it's blonde. I always think of you as blonde. Blonde. Yeah, I mean not now, but when you're a baby, everyone's blonde as a baby. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, we'll decide better. But you had this like just like this blondish hair you were you just like you had this like gravelly little voice you're like oh coco you he called me coco i did coco <laughs> that's how you sounded and it was so fun because you always had a basketball in your hand you always had a ball of some kind and you were always just like sports from a very early age were your thing they yeah. were like your thing and you kind of had a rough a colorful high school experience colorful yeah you just got into you know yeah mischief yeah some cops involved here and there. Ah. Yeah. Mm. Minor things, of course. Minor <laughs> things. But you, but it was really funny because like you, you know, we were, I think dad was worried about you for a while. He was like, yeah. oh, you know, what's yeah. going He once called me a deadbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I was 13. What happened? Ah, uh, you know. Dad. Just, you know, like vandalizing things. You know, just kid kid shit. Yeah. And he was just pissed. Right. <laughs> Called you a deadbeat. But the joke's on him, because you will become the first doctor in our family. That's what they say. Which is crazy. And I think it's so cool. Like, when I tell people, I'm so proud of you. Like, when I tell people, oh, my brother's at the University of Connecticut. He's getting his PhD. Like, we didn't even know he had it in him. You know, know. because you... Yeah, remember that girl we saw at the bar? Oh, yeah. She was like, you really turned it around. <laughs> You did. You just like, I think you found something that you loved and now you're like going all for it, full force into it. Yeah, man. Someone's got to do it. Right? Someone's, that's true. So you became, I thought I was the smart one, but you really just. Oh yeah. That's quickly been reversed. <laughs> quickly. So now you, I just want to run through your credentials because they're very okay impressive. You, you're a certified athletic trainer. Yep. You, and we'll get delve into these in a moment, you're a certified strength and conditioning specialist. That's correct. What's the abbreviation? Um, for that one, CSCS, the athletic trainers, yeah. ATC. Yeah. And then you are getting your PhD in exercise physiology from the University of Connecticut. Yeah. So you're just like killing the game. Yeah. So I want to know... You now are in Connecticut. You were in Savannah getting your, your master's. Yep. So tell me about like the journey of how you got interested into 
right? So like you're a little kid vandalizing things, and now you're turning <laughs> you're turning it around. And like, how did you? Why was this something that you wanted to like embark on? You know, I never really liked school as a kid. I went to undergrad at Rowan University in New Jersey. Um, I didn't really know what to do, but I knew I liked you know sports and like exercise and like training and things like that so i ended up taking up this major uh athletic training which for those people that don't know what that is it's essentially like if you're watching a sports game uh, if someone gets hurt on the field those are those people that kind of go out on the field and assess, um, you know, sports-related in- injuries. They do rehab, um, you know, like treatment for, for athletes. So I, I got into that, um, but towards the end of my senior year, I kind of realized that, you know, I didn't really want to do that traditional job as an athletic trainer just for various reasons and such as um it's just like i just didn't think like for me i just didn't enjoy it that much yeah it wasn't very intellectually like stimulating like there's a lot of like downtime um yeah i I don't know but like it is cool i'm glad i did it because i learned a lot and you know like met a lot of people and there's like certain things that i i know that i'm glad i know just like you know how to like treat like an emergency injury or scenario or something like that what's like the gnarliest injury you saw you know i haven't really seen anything too crazy like it depends what you consider gnarly like any bones popping out dislocated elbows like the first day i ever worked as an athletic trainer at a football game the first play of the game kid popped out his elbow it looked, it looked a little gross, but, you know, I've seen just, like, you know, like, broken Dang arms, uh, broken wrists, um, you know, like, lacerations in the head, like, blood, but that stuff's not that bad, but, like, nothing too extreme out of the ordinary. Okay. Um, it, it's, like, cool to be able to see that kind of stuff and, like, how to, like, react in right. the moment. Um, so you decided kind of not to get like you, that was not your yeah. Thing. So the head athletic trainer at my at Rowan University, mm-hmm. Colleen Grugan, give her a shout out. Shout out Colleen. She's the shit. I would just be in the clinic, as you call it, where we would treat the athletes, and I would, if I had downtime, I'd always just read something or whatever. And she was just like, "Well, you know, I think you'd be good at research." You know, and I was trying to find something to do after I graduated. Mm -hmm. So she's like, well, I know this guy down in Savannah, Georgia. He has like like this lab. Um, You know, if you would be interested in it, I can give him a call. Blah, blah, blah. This, that, and the third. (laughs) And then um, I ended up applying, talking to the guy. He took me in down there. So I started this master's program. Um where I basically worked as a research assistant in this lab and yeah I kind of like found out what like research was about and what it was because I didn't really know anything about it before I started yeah so you're in the lab and what were you doing in that lab you were doing you were doing so yeah when I was down there 
Um, you know, I took a few classes. Wait, let's just back up and say that you went, so you applied, you were getting, you applied for your master's degree. You yeah. Master's in, in sports medicine was the, what it was called. So I did a lot of stuff with biomechanics. Which is? So like biomechanics is kind of like the study of like human movement. It's kind of like, it's kind of like physics for how the body works. So like... I would do studies on like Olympic weight lifters, which I'm not sure if you know what that is, but yeah. it's essentially like we would get people in, we would put them in like this 3D motion capture system, and we could have them do their lifts within that system and then analyze like, oh, they're producing this much force off of their left leg versus their right leg, mm. where the bar is going, you know, this much vertically and this much horizontally and you kind of look at stuff like that and then see where their deficiencies are um, what they're good at right and my thesis project was on kind of like the mechanics of running and hamstring stiffness but i also worked on some projects that looked at like supplements to enhance endurance performance cardiovascular function i did a study that looked at a supplement, a probiotic supplement on the gut mm. microbiome. Um, so I got like a good range of experience yeah. when, when I was there. What so. was your favorite memory of being in Savannah in that lab? and Like uh, the people I met, I think. The one kid I worked with ended up being in his wedding. Oh, recently, uh, yeah. Yeah, I only knew him for like, you know, a few years. What do you think? Okay, so it's cool. it's interesting because like ready, I told you like all my friends like love you. Like anyone who meets you loves you, but you're not like as overtly bubbly. Mm-hmm. We'll say as me, expressive, right? <laughs> expressive. So what do you think that you're? And then like you're the the trainer, the head trainer at Rowan. Like saw you, like saw, and she liked you enough to be like, I want to recommend you to this program in Savannah. What do you think that like your like secret sauce is? I just think if you just work insanely hard, people will realize it. Yeah. But you don't like want to like let everyone know you are. It'll eventually know that you're working hard. It'll eventually come out in one way or the other. For me, like I would I would read a lot, um I would study a lot, and then just like eventually I just had this, you know, all these things that I just knew. I like to get a wide range of knowledge right. and i think like eventually over time it's just you can tell like you can tell when people care know some things and yeah like they like what they're doing it's kind of like the whole like That's, like put your head down and work kind of thing it's so crazy because like you are such a hard worker and i'm a hard worker and it's so interesting that both of us have a really ambitious and driven in like different ways, obviously, but like in the same way at yeah. the same time. I wonder where that comes from. Genetics. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, I think it's probably. Ha- I mean, like, our parents always like worked hard, and like dad, like, and mom too. Like they never like sat still. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like he was always doing something, like building skateboards or making hot sauce. He was sauce. very not lazy. Entrepreneurial. Yeah. Mom, she's upset. Remember, I was telling you the story about the church in the pew. Oh my god! Yeah, the classic like dad, like don't be a bitch story. Yeah, he's it. just like so. Like, like we, we used to go to church when we were kids. I don't go to church anymore, but you know we, we used to go to church. And then when you would 
you know, kneel down in the pew <laughs> to like pray or whatever. Um, the seat was like behind you. And then I remember I would kneel down and like put my butt back on the seat just to kind of like relax. Cause like if you're on your knees, you know, your posture is real good. You yeah. Know, it kind of takes, takes a lot out of you. Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just sit, I was being lazy and I would just like lean back and he would always just like hit me. And be like, yeah, sit up straight, you know. Like, Old men do that. Or something. I'm like, damn, alright, dude. But just like small stuff like that is just like... It shapes you. Yeah, just like, don't be lazy. And that's, that's like a dumb example, but... No, I think it's I think it's a small yeah, but very you know, um, good example. Don't be soft. Don't be soft. Kind of thing. But yeah, and like, but, and mom's like upstairs making pies. You know what I mean? Yeah, all day long. Thing. Like, they both really instilled, I think, a really strong work ethic in us. Like, I know people that are just, don't have any, like, hobbies. Yeah, but like, they would never say, like, like, make you do anything either. No. You know? Yeah. No, they would, they're very, like, very... Which I kind of wish they did a little bit. What do you but, mean? You know, just, like, make you, like... Like, all right, like, we're going to the gym today. Like, we're doing this, this, and that. Like, mm. whereas it was more of just, like, I had to, like, figure it out well, on I, my own. Like, it was more of, like, a generalized work ethic. But I think it's, it's good like, because... you have to do something. Right. But it's kind of like, they, like, you have to do something, and then, like, you kind of figure out what you want to do. They, like, they really instilled a lot of, like... D- independent thinking decision making yeah but also let us be kids at the same time right and i think that's kind of cool because i i went into like media like entertainment things and you went into like sports and exercise things and science and it's it's kind of like they just kind of let us that's why i said earlier i think we had perfect parenting because they I really like, well, <laughs> but they really, let us, <laughs> they really let us blossom into like the people that we yeah we're gonna be here, here comes the idealist <laughs> Okay, so then you go to, so then Savannah was amazing. You got your master's Yep. in, oh, yes, like you said. Sports medicine. Sports medicine. That's what it was called. And then you're like, you know what, I don't, I think this school thing, I'm not done. I think what a lot of people don't know about, like, grad school is that it's more of like a, it's more of like a job or like training compared to like typical school school like so in undergrad it's essentially like you take you know 15 plus credits like all you do is class grad school you take like two or three classes but then you work for the school school's free in my case everything's free and you get paid it is school like for like for sure i'm not saying it's not but it's just like it's kind of different so i was just like well you know like i'll go to you know I'll get my school paid for More and then an yeah like kind of thing. because like the way I thought about it like when I went to get the PhD so I had no idea what a PhD was until the end of my masters what does PhD so stand PhD for? stands for doctor of philosophy so I remember seeing that and I was like well I don't want to get a a doctor in <laughs> philosophy right. but it's essentially like you get your PhD in something so you get your phd in physics you get your PhD in, in in chemistry i found out because i was talking to one of my advisors and he just said yeah like your phd like you go you get paid salary 
you're not going to get like loaded but for me it's like great for me now it's like enough for me to live on and have fun so yeah he told me about that and he was like yeah so essentially you just you know find someone that does work that you're interested in so you kind of apply to like a a person versus a school Mm. where undergrad you're just applying to like the school when you get your phd you work in a lab for someone let's say i applied to harvard just because i like wanted to go to harvard but they weren't doing any work that i was interested in so like that would kind of be like a waste and what was the this person that you are at in at Connecticut now, what was that? What made you want to go there? What was the person? Yeah, doing? so I applied to a few places. My one advisor, Dr. Greg Grosicki, mm-hmm. great guy, and Dr. Brian Riemann down in Georgia. They just kind of helped me with the process. I ended up applying two places, Indiana and the University of Connecticut. I got into both of them, but at the University of Connecticut, um, what they do there, they're big on thermoregulation, mm-hmm. which is how you re- regulate body uh, temperature and heat stroke, force performance, and you know they just do a lot of like really cool stuff like hydration. We're really getting into your where you have your PhD in, and it's 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 exercise physiology but the crux of it like you're doing such cool things there like i brag about you when i was allowed to say it but about like the olympics the olympics oh yeah yeah, yeah. the u.s women's soccer team came to university of connecticut to your lab and trained so one of the cool things about connecticut that i really liked is that they have a lot of connections it's a really world renowned place you know like people in my you know space they all like know about our lab, uh, the Corey Stringer Institute. The Summer Olympics this past summer in Tokyo, it was projected to be like a very hot one. There's this thing you can do, it's called heat acclimation, which is a specified time period of training. Let's call it like five to 10 days um, in the heat above a certain body temperature, core body uh, temperature, and it causes adaptations that help you perform better in the heat or tolerate the heat better Mm -hmm. um, than someone who didn't do it. So before this um, U.S. women's team went to uh, Tokyo, they were playing a few games against Mexico and Hartford. So they would come into the lab in like the afternoons and yeah, they would just uh, do their training in our heat lab. So we would change the temperature to what they would experience there monitored so, their and then, core temperature heart rate and the device that you use how tell them how they measure it the best way to monitor core temperature there's a few ways um but they're invasive <laughs> we'll say so there's three ways you can do it one is esophageal so what that means is you take this probe, you know, it's um, it's a pretty long probe, probably the size of like an iPhone charger, okay. so like that like thickness, and it has a oh my god thermistor on it which monitors your, your your temperature, and you essentially stick it up through your nose. Oh my god! And then it goes down your throat or your es- esophagus, and it sits <laughs> right behind your heart. I feel like I have to cough something up. Yeah. 
but we didn't do that with them. But that's just one way. No, tell them what um, you did. Do, 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 yeah, so we, we we did two different ways with them. So one was a GI pill. So this is a pill that you take, swallow it, and then it gets down in your GI tract, and that can read out your core temperature. So that one is. That sounds nice. Yeah, like for the person that's doing it, it's better because, you know, you, you just uh, take a pill. The downside to it is that you have to take the pill like a certain amount of time before you do it. And like it can't be too soon but before you, you want to get the temperature or it can't be too late because you poop it out like eventually. <laughs> so then there's that. And then the one that we most commonly do is rectal uh, temperature. So, again, you take one, one of those probes Um you stick it in your butthole. <laughs> but the scientific term would be 12 centimeters past the anal sphincter. <laughs> oh, yes. 12 cent- inch- centimeters. Yeah. 12 to 15. How many inches um, is that? Well, let's see. One inch is 2.5 centimeters. No, 2.54 centimeters. So you can do the math. It's not that bad. Kind of like your pinky to your thumb. If you six inches like this kind of you, you know if you make like the surfer sign yeah sur- surfs up like that, that that distance between your pinky and your thumb that goes into your asshole yeah <laughs> and it, it sounds like daunting it's really not that bad oh it's thin yeah and like we have done this on hundreds if not thousands of people do you like, tell the story what, what she said what her name what she said i don't know i don't know if i can say that just we have it well, I can't say her name <laughs> because I don't, I don't know if it's like confidential or whatever. But it was funny. So one of the, one of the soccer players um, was essentially like, we gave it to her and we're like, okay, like this is what you do. And like they've done it before. Like they know like what it's about. The majority of them. Um, so we gave it to her. Like oh, this is what you do. And then you know, like this person goes, oh, there's no lube. And then we just kind of left, and she left the first rule of anal. <laughs> famous girl, famous girl. Okay, yeah, but um, so funny. But yeah, um, and you've done it. It's and it's yeah, I've done it. Like I, I've been a subject in some of these studies. The reason we do it is for like a safety concern. So the rectal temperature is a accurate way to get your core body temperature. So when you're dealing with doing exercise in extreme heat, obviously like heat stroke can become a problem. So we monitor them so that they don't get to that heat stroke zone. And like things like doing the temperature in your ear or forehead, there's been studies that just show that those aren't accurate if you're trying to, you know, get temperature. Yeah, like if you're trying to like say, does this person have a heat stroke or not? Um, you know, like we know that that's not the best way to do it. So the Corey Stringer Institute, which is where you are in Connecticut, they really specialize. They have a whole heat stroke. That's like their their big thing. That's yeah, there's big, like yeah. So yeah. Okay. So I want to just talk about heat stroke with you because we were talking about it the other night, and I just think that it's just cool and important to touch on because i didn't know that it had neurological implications like yeah. and behavior implications when you have heat stroke so can you just talk a little bit about that yeah so heat stroke it's a potentially fatal condition 
Um, so you have exertional heat stroke, which is primarily what we work in, and then you have like classical heat stroke. So exertional heat stroke, um, a- as the name suggests, is when you're doing physical exertion mm-hmm. and your body temperature just gets to a certain point that is not like it's just not i'm trying to keep it simple but like just like it's not it's like too high for your body to cope with whenever you go out for like a a run or do any kind of like exercise your body temperature rises in certain conditions um your body temperature will go up faster than you are losing heat and you lose it through sweat you lose it through sweat convection conduction so like holding a cold object or mm-hmm. like wind blowing over you would be would cool you down con- convection yeah but sweat is like one of the big ones for sure you can get to a certain point where your core body temperature gets too high and then when it gets too high which is typically we say around like 105 degrees or more fahrenheit mm-hmm. or like 40.5 degrees celsius um that's when you can get into like the danger zone but that's not to say as soon as you hit that you're going to get a heat stroke because like sometimes people have finished marathons and stuff like that at you know 106 107 degrees fahrenheit and they're completely fine right but so like temperature is huge for like your biology and certain you know like chemical reactions enzymes proteins they kind of unfold or get dysfunctional when it gets too hot and then things just kind of start to break down. When someone's core body temperature is like above 105 degrees Fahrenheit and they have um, CNS dysfunction, so central nervous system dysfunction, that is classified as a heat stroke. So that would be like someone's either unconscious, they can get like combative. Mm. There's like been stories that people have gotten, you know, like punched and kicked by heat stroke victims or yeah like bitten or all types of crazy stuff so like their mental state is not you know like it's kind of like someone on drugs right uh, because their nervous system is dysregulated yeah so that's like the criteria the basic criteria for someone to who has heat stroke and it can be fatal so if you don't get their core body temperature down in a fast enough time period um you can have you know prolonged consequences you know Mm. organ failure when people die from heat stroke it's typically because you have this kind of like a septic inflammatory response Mm. and organ failure wow yeah in studies that you were saying that i think they're doing them in i forget you tell me but mice yeah where it's like if you have heat stroke that your chances for getting yeah so this is like um an idea that's been around, but it hasn't been specifically identified or proven yet. But there's this idea that if you have a heat stroke in the future, you can potentially be more susceptible to future heat strokes or even other um, maybe immune conditions, heart conditions, kidney conditions. But there's been people working in it recently that have found some pretty cool stuff that you know potentially if you have a heat stroke that might not be treated well um does that set you up for consequences down the line for the rest of your life for a few years after it's interesting yeah um and there's been really cool studies that i was telling you before like in mice 
that suggest that that could be the case. There's some epidemiologic studies in, in humans that suggest it, but it's hard to say if it's causal or not. With all of the stuff that you have done, right? So you've done the athletic training at Rowan. You've done, Mm -hmm. um, you're a certified strength and conditioning specialist. You are now working in, you know, exercise physiology. What, you know, you are in very good shape. Thanks. And I've been working with you for a year as my personal trainer. Yeah. And I've gotten in better shape. Good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so you really, so you definitely have a really strong grasp and understanding of exercise, and also the type of exercise that you should do to increase longevity. Because you and I are very interested in living a very long time in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. So, just kind of go into briefly, like the. Your, I guess, like the modalities or your theories on the type of exercises that people should be doing to, mm-hmm. you know, not only improve appearance and also health, but also to make you live a long time. I obviously love, um, you know, like fitness, like exercise. I just am a big believer in just like, you know, just like training like really hard, you know, just like doing things that kind of deplete kind you. of suck. Yeah, they deplete you like they're hard. Um, I think that like like a lot of people don't do enough of that kind of like training as if you're an athlete, mm. you know, because I feel like people kind of lose that like once they're done high school, high like school or, or, or college, you know, they, they just kind of, you know, like mosey around, you know, they'll go to the gym, you know, Not really do a couple bench press and curls. So obviously strength training is very important, you know, especially as you get older, there's this thing called sarcopenia which is essentially the loss of muscle mass with age. And you said and like, when you get to be like 60, like it just like jumps off a cliff, like plummets. Yeah. The numbers in like large scale studies kind of say like, once you get to age like 35, you'll lose like, you know, like one to 2% per decade. And then once you get to age 60, it's like 3%. So as you age, you know, the decline becomes faster. So that's one reason why strength training can be crucial just to, you know, like maintain that vitality of your skeletal muscles. So like this is just independent of looks like being strong is very, very important if you want to live a long, healthy life. Um, And that doesn't mean you have to be like a power lifter. You have to lift some heavy things. Not even that often, you know, maybe once or twice a week. And you and you also said that, like, as you get older, if you fall, right? Because we all yeah, get so older and you fall. And like, but if you have strong muscles, a strong skeletal system, right. you it'll decreases the chances of you. Yeah. So like, it, you you guys probably injured. have aunts and uncles or, gr- or grandparents, and you know they have a hard time, you know, getting off the couch. So when you get off the couch, that's like essentially a squat keeping like your legs strong yeah. will just make stuff and like that's stuff that we kind of take for granted when you're younger mm-hmm. but you know it'll happen very quickly that you would like re- realize you know like wow this is getting kind of harder than it used to be yeah the good thing is e- even beginning this e- exercise like sh- strength training in old age you can still make some pretty good you know gains if yeah. you will um but it's better if you you know, start young and just maintain it 
over time because there's these kind of chronic adaptations that you get like you know like within like the structure of your joints and and tendons and, and and skeletal muscle that you only get if you do it over very long periods of time and what i love about what what you've been training me for the past year about is like there's a lot of misinformation about i think like fad exercises and like and you take an approach that's very practical and very you have like the end game in mind right right? so it's not like get fit fast it's like you it's like a lifestyle that you adopt to like improve your health and by proxy improve the way that your body looks and everything like that i always had a hard time like putting on weight like Mm -hmm. muscle mass because i whatever so I was like, I don't want to do cardio or conditioning, as you say, because then I'm going to like lose muscle or something. Like I always yeah. had like this like notion, but, and, but you're like, no, you have like a cardio day. And then also, and you make me do cardio every single time I go to the gym, like five days a week. Not like it's yeah. conditioning. Sorry. No, it's fine. You say it. But it's like, you know, you put me on like the rower or the bike or whatever. Yeah. And in like after or in between my weight training. So I think that's just important to yeah know that it's really a multi um yeah i was gonna gonna get to the cardio stuff okay but on a side note i'm just a big fan of keeping things simple now like if you if your goal is just to look better you kind of have to get less simple because like if someone for like a bodybuilder let's say you know like they have to do more types of exercises because they hit you know specific muscle groups and things like that so like but you know like training like really if you just want to get fit and look good like you know not like a greek god but if you just want to get fit look muscular you know lose weight you really it it doesn't have to be hard right like like, it's such a for example like the workout lately so this past month um i did this um rowing challenge where it was you know just basically row as much as you can between thanksgiving and christmas and they uh, donate money to a certain uh charity so my workouts like literally seven days a week for a month would be you know like one lift a um olympic lift Mm -hmm. which is like a hang clean or a snatch or something like that and then either you know a squat or like a bench or like a overhead press or something like that and it would be quick so it'd be like heavy weight and maybe like you know five sets of five with like a minute rest in, in between or like six sets of two or something like that so you know that's maybe like a 20 minute lift and then i would go in the rower right and like that's very that's like so simple like it's mm-hmm. two exercises like for example the with the workout that i told you to do the hex bar mm-hmm so I did, you know, 10 sets of five with a pretty heavy weight um, and then 10 dips in between and then with a minute rest between each one. Mm-hmm. So like so something like that, two exercises, monotonous, but, you know, that's like a 15 minute ordeal. Right. And like that, you can get a lot of good out of that. Right. I think. Um, I just think that you don't have to make it very complicated. Like you don't have to do you know seven exercises when you're in the gym you know you can just maybe pick you know three or four and really like focus on those instead of like let me do two sets of 10 exercises do them hard do them well yeah do them hard do them well and you you know and you'll see results yeah the kiss acronym 
keep, keep it, it simple, simple stupid. stupid i'm a big fan of that and i mean i know you're not a nutritionist but you have like good um you were saying to me i don't know if you want to keep this in but we've yeah, been just good. saying about like the sugar principle of like yeah so sugar. like a lot of misconceptions on nutrition like a lot of the like research on nutrition is very like hard to do so like a lot of the stuff that's out there is kind of like misleading i think so like obviously you know sugar's the devil right like everyone says that a sugar is bad my thing is that it it's only bad like in the context of something bad so like yeah if you're sedentary and you're mainlining coke <laughs> coca-cola coca-cola <laughs> Um, you know, obviously like that's going to have a negative effect on your health. But then if you look at, you know, people that are marathon runners or Tour de France, um, bikers. Yeah. You know, like these guys are eating, you know, one to 2000 calories a day of simple sugar, which is like, there's just like sports drinks, energy chews, you know, goo. Yeah, goos. <laughs> um, so, like, they'll eat, like, you know, 6,000 or so uh, a cat calories per day. And these are the most metabolically healthy people on the planet. Like, they're so far from diabetes that you can't even fathom. So, for someone, fathom like, the, like a regular person who is in the gym doing the method, like the keep it simple, stupid mm-hmm. method, if they, you said within an hour, if they consume a little bit of sugar, like well, right after they work out? Let's say you, you go out and run 10 miles or something. You know, for someone like me, I would, you know, burn maybe, you know, a thousand plus calories. And you deplete the sugar that's stored in your muscle. So that, that's what's fueling a, a, a lot of the high intensity activity. So immediately after that, you can kind of think of it like your body is kind of primed to take up sugar and then store it in your muscle. So when you eat uh, sh- sugar, it gets stored in your muscle. You know, that's like good. Um, the, like, the, the problem is with people that don't like exercise or, or, or do anything, they eat like a lot of it, but they don't, the, their body doesn't know where to store it or it doesn't have the the structure or the capacity to store it into the muscle. So as soon as you get done like a hard workout like that, there are certain enzymes that are kind of primed to take that sugar and store it into the muscle. So people that are active and highly fit, they can take more of that sugar and store it in the muscle versus someone who's not, it's just gonna hang around in their bloodstream. Sugar is not like inherently bad but the other thing is the whole calories in calories out calories out which is a classic just again a, a simple yeah I, I this is like controversial too but i'd you know take that stance it's pretty as long documented. as you burn more calories than you are taking it yeah so like you, you could lose weight yeah right so i what i am excited to be doing is we're is teaming up with you because you have a brand that you've created for yourself called spl systems yeah and <laughs> double entendre tell, tell them essentially now it's just me on Insta- the socials the socials giving good In- advice Instagram. yeah it's just me just kind of like posting data my workouts yeah like research um but it stands for sports performance longevity and and 
It's my initials. Sean Patrick Langan. The cleverness. Yeah. People reach out and on the side I'll kind of make workout programs for people, train them. So because I can attest personally to the workout program that you've made for me, we started like what February, I think February of last year doing workouts in 2021, February 2021. And I've been following them. You give me, you know, fresh workouts like on a weekly basis that I pay you for. Yep. And and because they've really changed my body shape in ways that I... I mean, I have a few saddlebags now, but that's just because of mom's pie. <laughs> <laughs> but I really was probably in the best shape. I, well, well, it's not because of her pie. It's because you haven't been in the gym. Yeah. Ah, it all comes back, yeah? <laughs> so we... <laughs> so but anyway it really has changed my body in a lot of ways and i do feel i look better but i also feel stronger and better too and so because i can personally attest to how great the the results of your training program have been i have decided we've decided to team up and offer the hamptons to hollywood fitness program it's 2022 it's the new year people have a ton of health and fitness goals so what you can do is go to hamptons to hollywood and you can connect directly with sean and if you're interested in having him create a custom workout for you you can do that i was like i want to work out five days a week i want to get like build a better like you know some vanity muscles build a better chest you know whatever and also, but I want to like live till be like a hundred. So give me a workout that can. The tall tennis. <laughs> but you, but you've really handled it. Let well. me look like a Greek god and live till I'm a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, if you're, if you're, you know, if your aim is wanting to lose weight or wanting to, you know, get at or whatever it is, like, he can customize a workout program for you. And so I'm, we're really excited to offer this, the Hamptons to Hollywood workout program. You can. Have a body like you're in the Hamptons, look like someone in Hollywood. So it's very, it's going to be, like I said, I have been doing this for a year, so I wouldn't have even approached you if I thought this was like, if your methods were kind of, you know, half-ass. <laughs> exactly. So we're really excited to offer this. It's going to be launching in January 2022. You can go to hamptons to to find out more information about the signature customized fitness program. Again, you are a PhD, you're a certified athletic trainer, you're a certified strength and conditioning specialist, you have all these accreditations that really help you, that really qualify you for this type of mm-hmm. program. Yeah. You can also DM at Hamptons to Hollywood or at SPL Systems on Instagram to inquire about the program. And Sean is also going to be a contributing author on Hamptons to Hollywood. One to two times a month, he'll be coming out with a fun or an, an informative article on... And if people have topics questions. or they want something answered, so you can, can write send in. it in. So you can write in and Sean will... It's like Dear Abby for fitness, for muscles. Yeah. And Kyle will post some of my recent publications on his website. You are listening to two published authors, okay? You've been, how many times have you been published now? Seven. Seven times. I've only been published twice. Yeah, but it's different. You're doing books. Yeah, but still, that's, it's a feat. Happy New Year, (laughs) filthy animals. Thanks for coming on, Sean. It's been a treat. Yeah, fuck you.